Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Kim Grenolds of dogman.com. With Matt Prem from Duck Territory, the Oregon 24-7 site. Washington plays Oregon at 12.30 kickoff. Husky Stadium weather. You guys always say it never rains at Autzen Stadium, but it looks like it's going to rain on Saturday, Matt. Is that going to have any impact? I, I think it, it does in some degree. I mean, a slippery ball for both teams. You know, probably an opportunity for both defenses to to get some, some loose balls on the balls on the turf and some fumbles and uh, I I don't really buy into the fact of you know rain unless it's just a torrential downpour impacting quarterbacks throwing the football I mean both these quarterbacks are are big dudes both of them like six 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 five you know they're not going to have a hard time ripping the football to throw it now if we're talking about quarterbacks that are you know typically six foot, six foot one, then yeah, you know, the smaller, smaller guy with a smaller hand is probably going to have some, some issues with, with gripping the football, but uh, what, unless it's just a downpour, and I don't think it is right. Or it's just maybe going to be that, that typical Seattle mist. See, depends by the hour. It looks like <laughs> we're just praying. We don't have the thunder and lightning like, like yes, we did for the Cal game. Yeah. But uh, just a friendly reminder for those coming up for the Washington game coming up from Oregon. Number one, we do have a sales tax and it's about 10 (laughs) percent. Number two, it's it's customary to tip 30 percent plus. And when you're exiting Husky Stadium, when you see the signs that say Vancouver, just go ahead and follow those. You'll be fine. But um, (laughs) um, it's fun messing with the Oregon fans, Matt. I got to confess, I'm just kind of like an alcoholic, you know, that drink is there. If an Oregon fan's got a button that big, I just got to push it. I can't help myself. Well, I it goes to... both ways. I know. But, you know, why do this if you can't have a little bit of fun? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes rivalries rivalries is that you've got two teams that don't like each other and you've got two fan bases that, for the most part, are triggered when it, when it comes to, to the week of the, the, the Husky Washington week. Yeah, I've been advocating for a long time, you know, for both the Apple Cup and this game, that the coaches should allow one player on the team for one day to talk some smack to make things interesting. And, yeah, Chris Peterson just kind of gives me that look like, what's the matter with you? You know, so. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's that way down at Oregon. I mean, very little was said about Washington. I mean, they wouldn't. We, we saw this last year. Um, the assistant coaches were, were speaking uh, last year during the season and, this year they haven't really spoke, but last year the assistants wouldn't even acknowledge, you know, Washington. It was just really excited for our guys for this big game. And, you know, I'm just focused on, on our guys. You know, that's kind of the, the coach speak we would get. And then this year, you know, Crystal Ball was very complimentary of, of Washington. And, you know, Avalos, the defensive coordinator, and Arroyo, the O coordinator, you know, they both were, you know, talking about Washington a little bit. But you, you speak to the players, and basically every answer we got was, we're excited to play a quality opponent and we're excited to go play in a hostile environment 
and play together as guys and and see if we can come out with a win. I mean, the ba- basically the most stock answer you could get. Uh, so you know, both both sides have basically been told, let's not give any extra motivation. That's that could be you know construed as as trash talk. Tell me about this offense, Washington fans. A lot of them remember what Chip Kelly was running. That's not so much this Oregon program anymore. For those sitting in the stands that haven't watched Oregon for two or three years, give me that fans' eye view from the fifty-yard line on that offense. What are they going to see? Yeah, they're this. This is not your Oregon football team that basically was. You know, if, if you want to go back and say the Golden Age when. 2009 to 2015 when they were basically running through the Pac-10 and then the Pac-12 and winning conference championships four years in a row and getting to a national championship and multiple BCS games playing for two national championships and this is not that team and up front and it it starts up front you know Oregon's offensive line is humongous I mean they are big they are physical I mean Auburn's defensive line is arguably maybe the best defensive line in the country uh, this season in college football. And Oregon was bigger. And they had no problem pushing those guys around. Uh, Obviously, Oregon ran out of gas uh, in the fourth quarter. But this team team up front is not what you typically think of Oregon football. Penny Sewell at left tackle, he might be the best player uh, along the offensive line in the country. For anybody, I mean, Chris the Ball's not. He he was asked this week about him, and he said he wasn't going to go out and say he is the best offensive lineman. He's he's coached because that does a disservice to a bunch of other guys. But he is in that discussion. Uh, he is up for the Outland Trophy. He's the highest graded offensive tackle on Pro Football Focus uh, this season, and he's only a sophomore, which is pretty scary. He's I don't want to say guaranteed, but he's basically going to be a top 10 pick next year uh, after he plays his junior season and goes pro. Um, and then they've got four seniors up front. Now, the run game has struggled a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily because of the offensive line. It's it's the running backs. You know, you don't want to be too harsh on these guys, but at the same time, the reality is, is the talent at the running back position, in my opinion at least, is, is not where it's been historically uh, under – you know, the Oregon football umbrella, you know, this is, you know, there's not a Royce Freeman of this group. There's not a Thomas Tyner or a LaMichael James or Kenyon Barner. And I, I realize three of those four guys I just said are, you know, probably top 20 in all time career rushing yards in the pack 12. So that's high, that's high order, but there, but that's, you know, that's been a string of guys that have come through this Oregon football program in the last 15, 20 years that, Every year, Oregon historically has had you know a top ten running back in the country, and I don't think you could say that this season. Um, they're, they're not bad, but uh, I don't think they're also an elite position group uh, at receiver. This is a group that coming in was viewed as a ton of turnover from the previous season. A lot of uh, really high caliber recruits, whether it's a high school guy or a grad transfer, but unfortunately for them during fall camp, a lot of those guys got hurt and to the point where this Oregon offense was operating with four scholarship receivers, essentially during football games, the first month of the year. And that really limited what Oregon could do offensively because you just don't have the bodies to practice everything. You don't have the bodies to, to take deep shots, every, you know, on a consistent basis downfield because your receivers get tired and, so that's, you know, those guys now are healthy. Uh, they've got 
a bunch of options at the receiver position. Um, but the issue is, is now injuries happen. You know, during the year, you're not going to avoid injuries in this sport. And Oregon had their second string tight end get lost for the year during fall camp. And now Jacob Breland, who's arguably been the the, the best tight end in, in the country statistically, uh, he is out for the year with an injury that he suffered against Colorado last week. So Oregon's going to have to do some shuffling a little bit and how do they handle that? And then lastly, there's, there's the quarterback, Justin Herbert. You know, I don't think much needs to be said about this guy. He's one of the best quarterbacks in, in college football. Um, he's got the howitzer arm. He can make all the throws. Uh, but you know, the, the issue with him is, is does Oregon throw the football? I, I, I don't, I don't know if, if that's going to be the, you know, the game plan this week of, of taking, you know, Herbert and asking him to, to throw 50 times or, or 40 times to win this football game. When Oregon's offense is really rolling, what are they doing right? When Oregon's offense is struggling, why, what causes them to struggle? Uh, it starts with the run game. I mean, Chris, the ball has, has come out and, He's never really said we want to be the Alabama West, but he's consistently referenced uh, his time in Alabama and the blueprint to success, he, he calls it. We have the blueprint to success. That's what he, he says that all the time. Uh, and he's referencing just kind of the makeup of Alabama football. And you know when those teams, and, and at Oregon this season, when they can consistently run the football, that opens up everything else because everyone has to focus in on the physicality and, you know, the attack of the run game. And then they have a guy like Herbert who there isn't a throw he can't make. And he is, uh, it's crazy to say this, but I, I, I think he's the most accurate thrower I've seen at Oregon in a very long time. He's more accurate than Marcus Mariota. He's more accurate than Vernon Adams was his, his one year or Darren Thomas, a lot of his incompletions are because the receivers drop the football. I mean, go back and, and watch the Auburn game and the Brian Addison miss. You know, Herbert rifled a, a ball through an insanely tight window in the first quarter to Brian Addison in the end zone, which would have been a 14-0 lead for the Ducks, and Addison dropped it. Go back last week to Colorado. On the move to the left, he's a right-handed thrower. Throws just this absolute dart, you know, through an extremely tight window to Juwan Johnson in the end zone hits him right in the hands, drops it for a touchdown. You know that that's a majority of Herbert's draw uh, incomplete passes have have become drops, and he's the most accurate thrower. So when when they're playing well, it's because they can run the football, and then in shots they they take these deep shots or they roll out Herbert and they let him you know throw these strikes. And if if the offense isn't working, it's because they can't run the football and they're having to rely on the passing game. And, uh, you know, it kind of sounds crazy, but I, I just think the step down at receiver, you know, they're not all the way there yet. And then maybe that's part of, we haven't seen, you know, guys fully healthy yet and we haven't seen them get into their groove. And, you know, that, that time has, has come and gone though. And now that they've got everybody back for a third straight week, you know, they can't lean on the fact of, Hey, well, these guys are, you know, getting rust off and, you know, the receiving game is just struggling because of, of chemistry issues of getting guys back from injury and whatnot. Um, that that excuse is now gone. So uh, if but it, it, it's simple. If they're not winning on offense, it's because the run game is struggling. If you're a defensive coordinator, how do you attack this Oregon offense? Oh, I would I, I think you you probably stack the box and 
try and, and force Oregon to throw the football and make Oregon's receivers in one-on-one situations win. Um, I, I, I think Micah Pittman, he's a freshman. He has shown he can win the one-on-one battles. I think Johnny Johnson is a junior. Uh, he has shown that he can win some of these one-on-one battles. But everybody else, I, I, I think you look at and say, like, you know, it's it's probably 50-50 at best if they can win the one-on-one battles and make plays. And so I, I think if if Washington comes in here and they can stack the box or ideally in a realistic scenario, if if they can stop the run with six guys and leave five defensive backs or, you know, five guys in the secondary to stop the passing game, you're going to be in a really good spot. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast on the other side of the ball a couple guys got dinged up last week and jameer holland and troy die both are expected to play is that what you're hearing yeah yeah they're they're totally fine um both guys could have played in the the second half of that colorado football game but oregon elected hey it's it's a it's a blowout game. They've got Washington the next week. Rest them. You know, don't don't risk further injury. Um, both guys that participated in football practice this week are are cleared. Mario Cristobal came right after the game was over on Saturday or Friday night and said that they felt like both guys' injuries were pretty minor and that they would you know be be safe about it this week. And then on Monday showed up. Yeah, they're good to go. They're gonna play. Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean they're 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 gonna play, and they're they're Oregon's two best defensive players on on this team too. The Seattle Seahawks have a guy on the defensive line out of Texas. His name is Puna Ford. Puna is about five foot ten, about three hundred twenty pounds, and he is a run stuffer. Sounds like Oregon's got their own version of Puna Ford. Yeah, Jordan Scott. I mean, he he showed up as a freshman and and instantly made an impact. Uh, I I think one of the signature plays of of that football game last year when these two teams played was the fourth down sneak by Jake Browning. And there's a great shot from, if you're just a a football fan in general uh, and you're a defensive fan, uh, you would love to watch this regardless of who's playing who, whether you're a duck fan or a Husky fan, but there's an aerial shot above the Husky offensive line and it's a fourth and one or fourth and inches and whatnot. And Browning tries to do a quick sneak and, 
it's basically the entire Washington offensive line taking on Jordan Scott, and he won. Um, he's that caliber of a guy. He demands double teams at minimum every every play. He's you know arguably Oregon's best, I guess, interior defensive lineman they've had in my mind, and, and now that I think about it, probably since Haloti Nada. I mean, they had DeForest Buckner and they had Eric Armstead, but those two guys were on the outside, outside at guys. defensive end. Um, you know, true defensive tackle. Jordan Scott's up there. He's he's gonna be a guy that I don't think he pro- he, he gets to all American status, but he's in that discussion. Well, he'll be an all American along the defensive line. I mean, this is a group that defensively has just grown up. You know, they've recruited well. They've found some diamonds. You know, Jordan Scott was one of them. You know, but this is a a, a defense that you know four years ago was was playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores and those guys being true freshmen and they've really just grown up. Drayton Kralberg is a, is a redshirt senior, you know, starting along the defensive line. Uh, you've got Troy Dye, who's a four-year senior at starter at linebacker. Lamar Winston is a four-year starter uh, outside linebacker. Um, you've got Thomas Graham, Diamante Lenore, and Nick Pickett, three juniors in the secondary. Lenore and or Pickett and Graham, excuse me, those two guys have started since they they showed up in 2017. You know, Lenore, Lenore started last year, who was his first year. This is his second year as a defensive starter. Um, now, they have lost some guys. Gus Cumberlander was Oregon's best defensive end this season. He's lost for the year. Uh, he was playing over 50% of the snaps, and that's elevated, you know, the five-star Kayvon Thibodeau uh, into the defensive end spot. And, you know, so he's having to play as a true freshman. And, you know, there's a, a, a huge difference in, in body type there. You know, Kayvon's a big dude. He's six foot five and two hundred and forty pounds, but Gus was a, a six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound defensive end. So, you know, there was a reason why Gus was as a redshirt senior was was playing, you know, over fifty percent of the snaps at defensive end. It's hard to ask what part of that defense you attack because Oregon has just played so well. But yeah. if you're going to attack that defense, where do you see maybe a vulnerability? Where do you see a little bit of daylight in that defense? It's tough. I mean, historically, you look at the numbers, and from a, t- a statistical standpoint, this this is the best defense we've seen from Oregon basically from till the 1930s. You know, this is the mo- best modern era defense that Oregon has played. Now, you also need to take into consideration the fact and some context of who they've played, you know, and that that certainly has has helped. Uh, some of these statistics. Do I think they're overrated? No, but I think you know some of these gaudy numbers that we're seeing have helped have been helped by the opponent. You know they they've played California with their backup quarterback, Stanford with an injured KJ Costello. Uh, we, we've seen um, this team play against a true freshman in Auburn, a true freshman in Nevada, an FCS opponent in Montana. Now, same time, you know we've we've seen some of these. You know, offenses like Stanford, they've, you know, Washington's a good defense and Stanford was able to move the football against them. So I, I, I think you have to take some consideration of who they've played and how you attack this group. I, I think probably the, the best way is I wouldn't throw the football on them. They've got really good uh, defensive backs. Their corners are really good. Uh, Troy Dye is a really good coverage guy in, in at the linebacker position and, I'll be I'll be really curious to watch Troy Dye match up with Hunter Bryant at tight end. I think that's we'll, we'll see that combination uh, quite a bit this weekend. 
So I, I think you want to run the football. If you can figure out a way to to run the football, I mean, Auburn won that that week one game because in the third quarter they committed themselves to running the football and being able to wear down Oregon's defensive group in the second half. And by basically by midway through the fourth quarter, you know, they, they just kept their heads down. They didn't worry about the score. And when they looked up midway through the fourth, you know, they were getting five, six, seven yard runs against that, you know, against that Oregon front seven. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be hard. I mean, this is going to be the best defense Washington has faced, and you know, I, I feel pretty confident in this group being uh, a pretty stout group and, and backing the numbers that they've put up, even though the opponents that they've played. When you look at the numbers, the offensive edge would go to Oregon. The defensive edge would go to Oregon, just looking at the stats. But the one place Chris Peterson always talks about is the hidden yards. Special teams. Oregon has really struggled, though. <laughs> Field goal unit has been terrible. That's that's their issue. If this game gets into a, a a situation like last year, where Oregon has to to kick a field goal to push it to overtime, or kick a field goal to push it to a victory, don't have a lot of confidence in that. Like that's uh, you, Camden Lewis has made, I think, one field goal <coughs> or two field goals this season. Uh, excuse me, and he's just struggled. He's missed a chip shot week one against Auburn. He missed a chip shot uh, a couple weeks ago against California did it again on a long shot against uh, Auburn against uh, Colorado. So there's not a lot of confidence there at the, at the kicking game um, return game. They're not bad. You know, Javon Holland is, is a really good punt returner um, kickoffs. They've been okay. Uh, but yeah, if, if this comes to a situation where, they need a field goal to, to win it or, or to tie it. Not a lot of confidence in that happening. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Intangibles. What worries, what should Oregon fans be worried about? Just, you know, those just intangibles that always seem to come up in these sure. rivalry games. Yeah, I think this I, this team historically, the last, not historically, but the last three or four years, they've been terrible on the road. I mean, you, you go and look at last year. You know, Oregon wins the emotional game against the Huskies, and then the following week, you know, everyone's riding high. They go to Washington State. And the Cougars blast them. And then it, it was such a bad loss that the, the following week they were shell-shocked and they lost again ugly uh, at Arizona. Um, Utah, they struggled mightily in the first half. Now, some of that had to deal with their center had been suspended in the first half because of targeting, which is just, which was a ridiculous situation. Uh, but 
he he was out and they could not adjust on the road and they they dug themselves a hole in the first half that they couldn't get out of in the second um and prior to last year they they'd gone like three years without winning a a road game on the road against a pac-12 opponent so i i think i think this group has kind of figured out their road woes but look the reality is they haven't played in an environment like they're going to see on Saturday uh, at Husky Stadium in three or four years. Like I, I, I wonder if maybe it's going to be since 2016 when they played at Nebraska, which is I, I was expecting a good crowd and an awesome atmosphere, and it. I walked away thinking that was maybe one of the three or four best atmospheres I'd seen in college football uh, at Lincoln Stadium in Nebraska. Um, they're not gonna. They're not gonna see something. You know, this is an environment they haven't seen in a very long time. How do they respond to that? I think that's a, a realistic situation. And and if if you're a Washington fan, and yeah, yeah, that's how you can impact this game. Is you need to be as, as raucous as you possibly can, and be as loud as you can for as long as you can. And and you know, you can make an impact in this game. Does how does Oregon handle the noise? I mean, they've. They played in two games on the road this season. The first one was at Dallas against Auburn, and that was a pro Auburn crowd, but it was more like a bowl game, right? Like it was 60 40 split in terms of fans. You know, there was more Auburn fans there, but there was still a good chunk of Duck fans there that that made noise for them and 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 whatnot. And then they played at Stanford, and Kim, you know, Stanford has no atmosphere. Like if they had no atmosphere, that up. would be more than they have. Yeah. So like. This team hasn't played a game yet uh, in a very hostile environment. In the last, I'm not going to say Oregon State's a hostile environment because that team's that program's just in a really bad spot right now. Um, and so the last three times they've played on the road in in environments where there's a good crowd: Utah, Arizona, and Washington State. All three of those games, Oregon lost. It's going to be a raucous crowd up here. It's been sold out for a while. Weather's not expected to be great. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a good mix of Duck fans in the stadium as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not only just what the football players play for. I mean, they love these kind of games. But, you know, we get paid to do this. And this is kind of games that, you know, we kind of circle on the schedule and know it's going to be special for us as well. And in addition, it's a 1230 game. So we get out of the press box before 2 a.m. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be excited about that. I mean, I we had planned on staying two nights uh, up in Seattle, and then we ended up saying, you know what, we can get home. We can get home, you know, Saturday night. We'll get home at at maybe twelve thirty, one o'clock. But you know, we, we get all of our Sunday back, and you know, we'll be able to watch some football and listen to some football on the radio as we're driving home, and we'll watch it in the press box when it's over. That's that's what I like about day games is that when football is when, when the team I cover is, is done at four o'clock, I still have all of the six o'clock games, all the five o'clock games, the seven o'clock, and even some of those eight o'clock games to watch and get an opportunity to, to watch some football. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a good game. You know, I, I think this is going to be hotly contested. It's going to be pretty close. Um, I, I, I love coming up to, to Husky Stadium just because of the rivalry, you know, two two teams don't like each other, the fan bases don't like each other, and you know, it's been pretty competitive outside of you know the seventy to twenty you know twenty one win and the following year, you know, you know even even in two thousand seventeen, Oregon had the lead in the first quarter, and so they just couldn't throw the football, and then they got blown out. But it's starting it's starting to feel like 
it's getting back to being a competitive atmosphere. I mean, last year was just from a pure drama, college football entertainment standpoint, I don't think you could you could get anything better than that if if you weren't a fan of either team. Obviously, Husky fan walked away pissed. Oregon fan was elided. But if you walked watched that game and you had no dog in the fight, no pun intended, uh, you walked away thinking like, that was awesome. And if, if that can be replicated again, uh, it's really good for both teams. And more importantly, it's really good for the conference. I, I think the Pac-12 really needs this game to be what it was last year because it's a 12-30 game. People on the East Coast are going to be watching. A lot of national media are going to be watching this game. And if both teams come out and look good and play good, and and yeah, one team will have to win and one team will have to lose, but it will help the appearance and the reputation of the conference if people watch this game and say, wow, those were two really good football teams. And one of them lost, but you know what? They could probably hang with a lot of these other teams back East that we think they couldn't hang with. When you're heading back home to Eugene, uh, you go up the hill to Federal Way, and then you start heading back down towards Fife. Speed limit's 75, and if you see kind of those Washington State Patrol cars on the side, that's just to tell you it's okay to go faster. So feel free, especially <laughs> if you have Oregon. I, I, I went to school at PLU up in Tacoma, so I'm, I am I know all the traps, and uh, I, I know that we're, we're, we're shooting to miss the Tacoma traffic because, God, that thing has been stuck in – the same construction that it was when I was going to PLU in 2015. I, I drove by that this summer and was like, it's still the exact same. So oh, I'm still yeah. pissed. I'm still pissed at the ticket I got about 15 years ago for an improper U-turn in Eugene. Not illegal. <laughs> improper. 475 bucks. Improper U-turn. Still don't know what that is. So anyways, I still owe them one. And also, uh, true or false, a rumor that uh, one of your guys, Matt Wade, has grown a mustache to uh, equivalent to the strength and conditioning coaches. <laughs> Kevin has not uh, Kevin has not grown a, a mustache, although that would be pretty, pretty hilarious. Now, I will say this. Uh, in and around Eugene, you do see more of those. Uh, I don't even know how to describe them. It's weird. Uh, those, those, those mustaches, but you do, you do see more of those out there. Yeah. It's, I mean, you actually have to buy wax. You buy wax for that. Come on. Yeah. It's, come on. Admit it's a little weird. Just a little bit. It's different. I mean, Port, the, the, <laughs> the, the Portland's logo, I mean, if, if, I mean, we're in Eugene, but the Portland's logo is keep Portland weird. So I mean, it's, it fits. All right. And then uh, any update on one of our local guys, um, Kale Millen? How is Kale doing? Uh, Kale is out for the year. He has had another injury, which unfortunately for him is uh, the third injury he's had since he showed up in spring ball. Uh, he suffered a thumb injury during spring football and then some parts of the offseason he had a, another injury. And then uh, now during the season, he's suffered a third injury. It's some kind of upper body uh, injury. So he's out for the year. He's not able to practice. Um, but I think he himself even said at media day, when we spoke with him, um, his, his approach this season was all going to be, he said mental and, and, you know, learning the playbook and understanding that, you know, he's probably not going to play much this season because of Herbert. And then the backup is a, is a red shirt freshman and Tyler Shuck, who's really, really good. And, and so for Kale, it's been just, you know, studying get yourself ready you know you know get reps which unfortunately now for him uh practice reps are not going to be had because he can't practice but it was all a developmental year and he kind of embraced that idea of hey get physically bigger get get mentally sharper understand the playbook a little bit better 
uh, and get, get myself ready to, to compete for that starting job next year when Herbert graduates and they'll have a competition between him and, and Tyler Shuck. And uh, they've got another quarterback who's a, a top 10 quarterback in the country coming in at the pro style and Butterfield. Uh, he's committed to Oregon as well. So they'll have, they'll have three guys duking it out. One will be a redshirt freshman. One will be a sophomore and one will be a true freshman. Even though there's a football game on Saturday, the rivalry will not be over because both Washington and Oregon are projected at the top of the standings for basketball. Oregon bringing in a lot of guys. Washington bringing in a lot of guys. And those games are going to be wars as well. Our basketball media up here, our media day will be on Tuesday, actually, Tuesday afternoon. And uh, the basketball games are going to be something else as well, Matt. So just Husky fans, the rivalry doesn't end at football. It carries on. So, hey, Matt. Thanks for jumping on. Any last minute comments? Any last things we need to know? No, I, I think if if or if Washington fans come into this game expecting a shootout, I I would be unfortunately I I wouldn't expect that. I think we're going to see a defensive battle. Um, I think Oregon wins. I, I I just think they are the 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 more talented team this season. Um, but I would say this if you know I. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be a game where it's going to be a shootout. We're going to see a, you know, defensive shootout, you know, defensive stalwart type of a game from both these groups. And uh, the reality is this: both teams are recruiting at a high level. I think this game is intensity is going to go up every single year. Uh, and on top of that, I think we're going to see more and more uh, top twenty-five matchups because both teams are recruiting at a high level, and that means. We're going to see a lot of NFL dudes uh, before they get to the NFL duke it out on the football field against each other. All right, let me ask you one more scenario, just one word answer. Washington's down by 323-21. Uh, five seconds to go on the clock. Washington's kicking a 40-yard field goal for the win. How comfortable are you that uh, Oregon wins that game? Oh, well, it's happened once already. <laughs> Oregon, uh, Oregon down 23-21, and they have a 35-yard no field goal to win the game. No confidence. I'll have no confidence if Oregon goes into that one thinking they need to lean on the kicker uh, to win them the game winner. Uh, and that, now, if it happens, awesome. Good for, good for Camden Lewis. Kid's gone through a lot. Uh, I'll, I'll eat the crow, but I have zero confidence in that happening. And just an FYI, the uh, Peyton Henry who missed the kick last year uh, at the end of the game has been perfect so far this year. A candidate for the Lou Groza Award hasn't missed one yet. He's been outstanding and got put on scholarship. Good for him. You always got to root for kids who are walk-ons that have the ability to win scholarships. I don't care who they play for. Always root for those guys. Absolutely. Always, always. always, always. Matt Prem at uh, DuckTerritory.com. Are you guys running a special on your site as well for the Oregon fans that are going to listen to this? Yeah, yeah. We've we've got the special right now. Buy one month, you get two free. And uh... Uh, that goes all the way through Sunday. So, you know, big look, I would imagine that this is a big recruiting weekend for for Washington with Oregon coming to town and 12:30 kick and especially with all the the West Coast, you know, the Seattle area guys that are highly you know ranked and Savelle Smalls is committed and whatnot, but you know, Oregon had a big weekend last week and you know, they're expected to have another big weekend as well next week when they come home to to play Washington State. And I'll help you out there, Matt, you know, just even because of the special, it's still not the best value because if you sign up for the yearly subscription, you have access to dogman.com. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You get access to everywhere, which is, I think what separates us from all of our competition is not only do you get to read, if you're a Washington fan, you get to read what you're, you guys are reporting on Dogman, but you can go 
and and comment and you can go and read on on, on our board and uh, you can go see what USC's and the disaster that's going down there and the dumpster fire there and you can go see what Herm Edwards is talking about and and kind of what the inside scoop there is with the ASU program. So yeah, I think that's what makes our our 24/7 Sports Network so awesome is that a we've got team we got people that cover every single team in the Pac-12 and they know their stuff and then on top of that you get to read it. You don't just get pigeonholed into the one team that you're a fan of. You you can literally know everything on every team if you wanted to take the time to read all that stuff. Well, yeah, because no matter what team loses this game, it's not as bad. Just go to either UCLA or USC and look at the dumpster fire down there. It'll make you feel a lot better with what's going on with your team after a loss than when oh, you 100%. Look, at theirs, look at theirs. So, Oregon anyway. fans complain because they don't win by 28 points anymore. Okay. That's a tough life. I always reference when Oregon's going into the championship game and they're undefeated. And uh, I went to your board and read that there was a whole thread with people just going off the rails. You're undefeated and they're going off the rails about the poor kickoff coverage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're undefeated. The, the Duck fan loves to complain when things are going well. And I then... don't think you've got I don't think you've got a monopoly on that market. <laughs> Matt, always fun. Looking forward to seeing you in the press box. Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and an intern will be up there. I will be down on the field. and uh, well, Stay you dry. Come down on the field at all. You should come down. It's always interesting to go down on the field and look at the size of the offensive line. Oh, yeah, That's 100%. All. I do that I do that before the games. I love doing that. Uh, and then we'll have an intern down there as well shooting photos for us. And uh, Eric Scopel and myself will be up in the booth. So sounds like – from a 24-7 contingent, we'll have a, a pretty good crowd covering this game, which is rightfully deserved because it's it's a big one. Yeah, and just a reminder, when you leave Husky Stadium, when the signs say Vancouver, go ahead and follow them. It just gets you all the way down <laughs> to Portland. So, <laughs> Matt Preem of Duck Territory, thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.